places. We did, yeah. We visited um, all four cities that our family members live in. Parents, mm -hmm. parents specifically. Parents specifically, because everyone is divorced and remarried, because we're a modern family. We're so modern. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, we we had four Christmases spread out over a... Like five or six Christmases. We had five or six Christmases. Depending upon how you count it. That's a lot of Christmas. It, oh my gosh, Grav, you have no idea. Also, none of them felt like Christmases, because none of them were on, or even really that close to Christmas eventually. Uh, one Christmas. of them was on Christmas. One of them was on Christmas, okay. I apologize. There's only one Christmas day anyway, so that's I true. Know how else that's supposed to work. Listen, is it too much to ask for space and time to bend to my holiday spirit? Yeah, quadruple Christmas. I mean, you know, you, you, have you asked for that? Not in so many words. Well, maybe that's the problem. Garav, how was how was your holiday break? Wow. Uh, it, it was good. This was my first uh, Christmas break since moving to L.A. that I've stayed in L.A. Yeah. Oh. So usually I go home to Florida for the holidays to see my parents. Uh, I didn't this year, and i got to say it's really quiet here. There's like <laughs> nobody in town. It's really weird. That's because oh, nobody's from them. here. Yeah. Everybody leaves. Yeah. I, I've wondered that because we realized we'd never been in L.A. during mm -hmm. Christmas time. Yeah. It's kind of nice. You could just go anywhere, get parking anywhere, and there's no lines in stores. Wow. It's kind of nice. Even at Ross? Even at Ross. Especially at Ross. Wow. There's always lines at Ross. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Ross is horrible out here. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Um, well, that's enough pleasantries. Let's dive into the meat of this. What okay. do you guys think? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Um, we actually have a new sponsor this week. Again? Yes. Um, it's become um, somewhat tricky to hang on to sponsors uh, after they hear the episode that they sponsored. I don't know why. Yeah. They all tend to pull support after that. But no worries. Uh, I have a list. I'm working my way down, and I found a new sponsor for us this week. Doug Silvestri's Home PC Repair. Huh. Yeah. He's been in business since the 1970s. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he's got, so he's got a lot of uh, hours logged. He's got a lot of years under his belt. He specializes in Apple IIe computers, mm -hmm. um, so, which is a narrow field of focus. But with the resurgence of vintage technology and everyone's interest in like, you know, you've got your NES Classic, your SNES Classic. I imagine it won't be too long before people are buying an Apple IIe Classic. And uh, Doug's going to be really hitting his stride again. So... He's really banking on them doing that, uh, and he wants to get the word out ahead of time so that people know where to bring their hipster computers. Um, so, if you are in need of some vintage computer repair, check out Doug Silvestri's Home PC Repair. Hmm. If, if, if a person has an Apple IIe, they probably can't listen to podcasts. Yeah. So they probably will never get this message, just saying. Oh, well, everyone's got one in their garage or attic, though, or in their, you know... Graham, their uncle's garage or attic, or... I just Doug assured me that most people's garages or attics in some dusty corner contains an Apple IIe computer. Fair. And Doug seemed like a guy who knew it was what he was talking about. We had some great conversations. Um, wow. He chipped in 50 bucks for this. So, wow. Yeah. Thank Doug you. Silvestri, home PC repair. Thank you so much, yeah. Doug. It was very nice of you. It was oh. very nice of you. All right. Well, let's let's get started. Yeah, so we are Experience Pointers, and we are a trio of RPG gamers and GMs who are discussing different aspects of gaming uh, that hopefully you can utilize in your games. And I'm Megan. I'm Garav. And I'm Jordan. And today, we are actually going to take what we consider the four core um, classes of D&D, really D&D, but, but, but other RPG systems. And we want to kind of break the mold and think about different ways 
that you could play a fighter as opposed to the standard meathead. And maybe you already do this, but um, th this was something you found, Gaurav, right? That you found yeah. somewhere somebody talking mm -hmm. about? And we thought it was kind of interesting, so we thought we would try that. That's right, today. the core four. Your 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 old standby. Everybody knows that's what they're called. The core four. Uh huh. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is a, a, it's a term. Universally received way of labeling them. That's your fighter, your wizard, your cleric, and your rogue. So uh, it's really easy to kind of get stuck in the same ruts when you're creating a character of like these established and well loved and well worn archetypes. But we're going to be talking about some different ways of approaching these sorts of characters today, mm -hmm. and see if we can't figure out some fun and interesting ways to break the molds and maybe add some. Add some pizzazz to your tired old fighter, wizard, rogue, or cleric. Well, I think we should start with fighter. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I uh, I want to start with fighter because when I first started playing D and uh, D, Jordan was I was you were running the game. Jordan mm -hmm. was running the game, and you suggested that I play a fighter because it's one of the easiest characters to play. And so mm -hmm. at first I was like, yeah, I just want to hit stuff, and it's great, and that's what I played for a while. And then eventually I was like, I want to try a rogue. Because I liked that the rogue, um, they they can't go and just hit stuff. And if they get hit, it's probably not going to go well. So they have to be more creative about the way that they go in. And I actually think that you could take a fighter that way. Because a fighter doesn't have to be uh, somebody who just goes in and, and, you know, knocks everybody over the head with a sword. But I think that's a valuable place to start. So you're talking right. about fighters. And so, yeah, let's start with fighters. You're talking about fighters as something whose primary role in the game is to walk up and hit stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the, like, right. what what else do you guys think of when you think of, like, classic D&D &D or medieval fantasy game fighter? Like, what are the, I mean, what are the stereotypes? Uh, usually not smart. Usually very angry. Sure. Yeah. Usually prone to picking fights. Or, okay. like, very heroic, like, self-sacrificing. I mean, that can kind of move into paladin terrain. But, sure. But, but I sort of think of paladin as sort of a, you know, um, a, a holy fighter. Yeah. <laughs> Paladins for another episode. I know, but, but I'm just saying I, I think that the fighters often fall into that category as well. I mean, it's, it's the stereotype you see in a lot of fantasy TV shows and things like that, or movies. There's the, you know, your, your hero, the fighter. Mm -hmm. generally right. speaking. I would actually say that in a lot of things, uh, the hero is not the... I would say I would say my stereotypical fighter, when I think of fighter, when I see most D&D fighters, it's that, it's that, like, bodyguard guy. It's like oh. you have your hero who's sort of like the... Like, I'm, I'm taking this in a Mighty Max animated series direction. You've got oh, your wisecracking okay. hero, and then you've got the big, strong, tough, armored dude that's like, only job is to no. hit things and take things I'm out. I'm thinking Hercules. Hmm. You yeah. know, Hercules is the fighter, and I then I also thought Hercules for some reason. Or <laughs> Xena. Really okay, so we're thinking Sam Raimi's Hercules: The Legendary Journey. <laughs> that's such our, a good show. That's our, well, that's our prototypical no, no, fighter. But I'm right also there. thinking about like Lord of the Rings, right? Right. I mean, you are taking this in so many different directions. But those those are what I think of when I think of stereotypical I fighters. Lord of like the Rings that. too. I, yeah. Where are you, Jordan? The we're clearly of, on the same page. The Lord of the Rings <laughs> is probably the most stereotypical fighter. I mean, when I think right. fighter, I think of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> He's he the best so, fighter. He he's got all those fighter. rings that he's the ruler that's, of. That's what makes you a good fighter, are the rings. We're Sorry. talking about Aragorn. Oh, you guys are talking about Aragorn. Oh. Although he was a ranger. He was. But and, I mean, yeah. And we're getting really far away from identifying, <laughs> you know, a fighter. But anyway, sure, there's not a lot to say. I'll just they're, delete all of this. <laughs> there's not, But there, there really isn't a lot to say about fighters. They're big, they're strong, they're tough, they hit things. And they take hits because they're heavily armored. Mm -hmm. So... 
establishing that yeah. and establishing above all else that the Lord of the Rings is the best fighter. Um, <laughs> let's talk about ways that you could build a fighter and put a different spin mm-hmm. on it. You can break the mold. Yeah. How break can you... that mold. Do it. Okay. Am I starting with breaking the mold? I looked at you sure. and I said it, we're, so it's got to be you. Let's, let's at you. break that mold. Okay. Um, so this one is not a huge departure from a stereotypical fighter. Um, this is this is probably the second most common stereotype, but sometimes it's just as simple as, as looking one step further than what your first reaction is. And that would be like the swashbuckling mm-hmm. um, kind of Zorro-esque fighter. Mm. So you're you're the you're the fencer, you're the dexterous, quick, tricky fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're um, the dread pirate Roberts from The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. You know, like you um, maybe maybe rather than pouring all of your ability points or stat points or whatever system you're playing into strength and constitution, you really focus on your dexterity. Uh, and then you focus on being quick and specking your fighter to be sort of like a swashbuckling pirate who's going to distract or or banter with your with your foes to throw them off guard while you make quick work of them with your very swift mm-hmm. cutting blade. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's fun. I, the, I th- the rascal, the rapscallion. I think along those same lines, you could have one that is almost like a pacifist. So I'm thinking of, let's see, I'm trying to think of... I can't, I can't off the top of my head think of a, an example, but the kind that is like, I'm going to try to talk you out of this, but if you want to fight me, I'll dodge everything you do mm. and make you fall on your face by getting out of the way. I don't know how that would work out mechanics-wise, but similarly, you know, you could still be like really tough, but you always try to think around fighting. Now, in an actual in actual gameplay, I don't know, maybe that I think that playing a character like that might depend upon the type of game you're playing and the sure. other. Uh, the other people, at your, the other characters. Sure, but I think that does kind of break the mold. You're talking about a fighter that fights only as a last resort. Yeah. Whereas most people think a fighter, like, that's their first thing they do. They're right. going to draw their weapon and charge in. Like, what do you, what kind of different character moments and interesting things come out of a fighter who only fights when he absolutely has to? Yeah. yeah. Um, what are his secondary things that he focuses on to, to get around uh, obstacles or situations? Right. I, I, w- I was thinking of maybe like a fighter that's sort of like a prize fighter. Like he fights for money most of the time, and he but he also does it for the challenge. Like he wants to have a fair battle. And I'd probably build him as like as like a wrestler, like a grappling fighter who like goes from town to town with maybe like his manager. And he, he looks for the biggest challenge he can fight and fights them with his bare hands. And beats them, and also probably has uh, maybe a little more charisma than most to, to like, you know, talk talk about them. And he's in a, a showman. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a little he's a little showman. He's huh. he's Hercules he's, from Hercules the Legendary. <laughs> I built Hercules. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Something something where he he does this for money and uh, fame, fame and fortune is what he huh. wants, and uh, he doesn't do it for the blood or the guts or anything, but for himself. He wants to be the very best. Huh. That that like actually no one ever was. You haven't seen the whole song now. No, I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Come on. Uh, that actually makes me think of a character uh, from a book called Graceling. Cat, uh, Cat, oh, no, I'm going to say it wrong. Katza. I'm wanting to say Katniss because I've read those two books at the same time. But anyway, she, um, it, it, I don't know how big Graceling is, so maybe you have not read it. But uh, the characters, it's a fantasy setting and the characters have a grace. Some of them have a grace. And the main character 
the, the graces are like superpowers and some of them are like oh you, i can hold my breath for, for 10 minutes underwater and then some are way more powerful than others and the main characters is killing and oh. and so a king utilizes that skill but she hates it so you could also utilize it that way and, mm. which is sort of along the lines of what i said right. but um a character who's really good at doing that and is has to do it for some reason, but doesn't really want to. Okay, there we go. Okay, so that's an interesting mm -hmm. further exploration of your reluctant fighter. Like, you're mm -hmm. talking about someone who is an excellent fighter, mm -hmm. who hates having to kill people, right. and so mm -hmm. looks for any other way to do it. And spoiler alert, her grace is not actually killed. Don't spoil it! Whoa. You might want to read it! Don Donna's no. reading it right now! Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's we bought it for him. It. Oh, cute. Um, he's done with it? Do you hate it? I don't know. It's really good. So I highly recommend it. Anyway. Yeah, check it out. Um, but that's that's an interesting take. Yeah, like a, mm -hmm. a, a fighter who hates fighting but excels at it. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like uh, you might think like prototypically D&D. That's your like Drist or Drizzit. Uh, Doerden kind sure, of kind yeah. of fighter, like raised in a martial society. All they knew was killing and violence and he's super good at it, but wants to get away from his, his roots, you know? Hmm. Um, I actually have an amazing example of a fighter that I did not come up with, but this was in a game that we played with someone else. And this was um, someone who had been raised oh. from infancy um, by a cabal of wizards as like a wizard bodyguard. So he was a fighter that was exceptionally skilled with two daggers. Mm -hmm. That was his that was his weapon. He was a dual dagger-wielding fighter with uh, something had happened in his past and he had no short-term memory. Um, so he actually forgot he had all that training, but in a combat situation, because he had been raised so rigorously, his muscle memory kicked in and he just kind of fell into this sort of mindless, like defense or kill mode depending on whether or not a caster was present oh. like if a friendly caster was was present he would go into full-on like protection mode otherwise he would just go into kill mode but then outside of that he was just sort of this happy-go-lucky guy who couldn't remember whether or not he'd taken a bath that day <laughs> and he had a list of things that he did every time we stopped to take a rest he would pull out his list and be like okay always remember to shower check <laughs> uh, remember that this guy's your best friend. Hey, that's you. You're my best friend. Okay, cool. Check. And he would do that every time. Uh, it was a super cool character. Yeah, I, I, I forgot. I didn't think of him as a fighter. But he was. Yeah, because he awesome. was so specific. That's yeah. really cool. He created amazing characters. But that's the kind of thing you want to do. You don't want your... I mean, if that's what you're going for. Sometimes people just want to be like, I want to play a classic fighter. Oh, I want yeah. to hit stuff and take their stuff. But There's if you want to do something different, if you want to break the mold, think of your character other than as what their class is. They are not a fighter. They are something else who knows how to fight. Right. And that's a great way to kind of think outside of the box of that kind of stuff. Well, I, not to like sidetrack too much, but I've actually found that interesting having started with D&D &D and then playing other systems because some other systems like Savage Worlds don't have specific archetypes. And it's right. almost overwhelming because I didn't realize how much I started from an archetype and then built my character based upon that archetype. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to start, start seeing it a different way and going, oh, okay, no, instead what I can do is create a character I'm interested in and then find where, you know, what I want to put them into. And it doesn't have to be stereotypical. Sure. But yeah. you can even, I mean, you can still do that in the confines of a game like D&D that has well-defined classes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So why don't we, why don't we move on to another one? Yeah, let's sure. do it. Let's move on to another classic, your rogue or your thief, depending on, on your game. So again, <sighs> when you guys think rogue and thief, what kind of things? What's the stereotype? Well, going back to Hercules, uh, yeah. I think. Um, so let me stop just... going to Hercules. I don't know <laughs> what do. you guys deal with. I don't know 
<laughs> but I'm Bruce thinking, Campbell as the king of yeah. thieves. Yeah. He is not. No, we're talking stereotypical thief. <laughs> but I think of, of, of you think of okay. Bruce Campbell as the king of thieves. <laughs> you know what? That was one of my first experiences with stuff like that. So yeah, kind of. Kinda. I, I would argue that Bruce Campbell as King of Thieves is like not the typical. Right. Role. He is a non-stereotypical. It's rogue. been a long time since I watched the show, but what I'm what I, so so actually the way I do think of rogues is like the charismatic talker uh, who's going to steal stuff from you when you're not looking. Um. Okay. That's that is one uh, rogue stereotype. I would say though, like going purely stereotypical for rogue, you've got your your kind of lower class, sort of sneaky, um, skullduggery, assassin, mm-hmm. trap um, disarmer, lock picker, backstabber. Chaotic, neutral, edgelord. Yeah, pickpocketer, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've got a purely um, id-driven kleptomaniac yeah. who sticks to the shadows and is rough and tumble well, that's and how I think course about. around the edges. That is what I'm thinking of with charisma. With charisma. Well, see, I actually don't think that a super charismatic rogue is um, what most people think of as a stereotypical rogue. Uh, sure, and maybe that's just... I would actually say a different. super charismatic rogue would be somewhat of a mold-breaking rogue. Hmm. Um, Interesting. In, in some respects. Some people play rogues that way. I mean, they've definitely, uh, as, as each new edition of D&D has come out, I feel like they have taken a broader and broader approach to what constitutes a rogue, so that kind of stuff becomes more common. But I think most people think of the, like... I hide in the shadows, I stab people in the back, I disarm traps, I pick locks, and I well, steal stuff. So I forget which, which I feel like, I don't remember if it was a particular system or a particular edition, but I just remember um, at some point, because I, Rogue, Rogue is my favorite class to play these days. Oh, in D&D. I, I love know that. Them. Yes, they're my favorite. Um, but, uh, what do you mean these days? It's been that way for like a decade. <laughs> It has been a long time, hasn't it? You're not playing a rogue in our game. Yeah, you already have a rogue. Why can't we have two? You have one that breaks because the Because I'm not going to fight with Havana mm-hmm. over who's roguing. Megan <laughs> hates it when more than one person at a table oh, has the it. same class. Ooh. Oh, she hates yeah. it. Well, I'm definitely going to be a huckster for the next season of Wildcard. Oh, I will strangle you. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, But I, I remember picking my specific focus as a rogue. So it was like, do you want to be a pickpocketing rogue or do you want to be a trap... Uh, was the word I'm looking for. Disarming. I was like, trap solving. That's not right. <laughs> trap solving. Trap we'll solving, take rogue. Um, Dungeoneering. Yeah. And and I was kind of like, oh, uh, but I thought rogues just did all of those things. But, but to right. me, in some ways, I actually think what could be interesting for a rogue is you could have a tinkerer who's just trap focused. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, they're, um, when it comes, like maybe they're not good with people, but when it comes to like mechanics, they're just so fascinated and focused and they just tinker and, and they're just naturally adept at it. I think that would be really interesting. I also think, although this would be hard to play in the mechanics, I think it'd be really rewarding if you figured out a way to, um, a battlefield controlling rogue. One who only used traps. Like, not only did they disarm traps, they set traps. And they mm-hmm. set traps on the fly in order to, to control the battlefield. So you've, got, would be cool, you've yeah. got a rogue that works somewhat like a uh, stereotypical wizard in that they are setting the flow and the layout of a battlefield by utilizing quickly set or, or easy to set up traps to um, kind of stall an enemy's path or, or funnel enemies uh, a certain way this, like that could be interesting this is what i like about, about rogue so much is i feel like you can 
I don't know, like you, it forces you to think creatively like that, at least in my experience, because you can't just go straight in. I don't know, maybe that was my experience coming from a fighter to a rogue, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I almost feel like rogues naturally lend themselves to, to mold breaking. They, they maybe can. that's just my own. And I think frame. it's because they're pretty loosely defined. Um, sure. Like it's, yeah. it's easier to take them in different directions, but I still think when most people go, I'm going to play a rogue, they, they, they kind of follow the same exact path that most people always do because that's what they think of when mm -hmm. they think of a rogue. Yeah. What do you got, Graf? Most people think, well, most people think when they hear rogue, they think immediately thief. Yeah. They mm -hmm. immediately think stealing. And like, that is one of the subclasses of rogue in the player's handbook for D&D. And I'm sure that's probably a mechanic for any time you use a rogue for any other game system too. But what if you built a rogue that wasn't uh, someone who steals everything? Mm -hmm. Or just uh, what if what if you played a rogue that was on the right side of the law? What if they were like a private detective? Mm -hmm. Like someone who goes out and solves mysteries. And like they, they still have the same skill set. They just don't steal everything and murder everyone. Watson's kind of roguish if you want to look at it that way. Sure. Yeah. Watson is a fighter. I will fight you on this. Oh I'm just here to moderate. So. Uh, this makes me think of, I think it was a character Amy played in a game, like, in college. Mm -hmm. um, but didn't she play, like, a kinder or somebody who just found things? Well, that's a that's a thing that kinders that's do. That's a thing that kinders do. Yeah. But uh, that, that's actually, taking that aside, that is something, too, that it could just be, like, it could be, like, a little kid who just, like, you know, doesn't even register. I mean, this may be different from the kinder, but doesn't even register. Like, they just kind of pick up shiny things, and they're like, here it is, and they're just naturally good at it. Right. I don't I don't remember specifically, but kenders never steal. They always just find things, and I think oh. that's because they have no concept of ownership. Oh. Uh, I can't remember why. It's something weird like that. They're, they're interesting. Oh. I think it would be interesting to play a purely social-focused rogue. A lot of people think um, social characters, and they immediately go to bard. But right. I think it would be really interesting to really double down on, um, like, luck-based, social-focused, skill-heavy rogue. Because rogues also tend to get a lot of skills. They have a lot of access to a lot of different True. things. So, like, why not play um, someone who's maybe not even that dexterous or that good um, at fighting, but, like, can only do it as a last resort, but really, really focuses on charisma and... Um, uh, like just focuses on using all those skills. Like you know, pick up some of those like redheaded stepchild skills from three point five. <laughs> like maybe you know forgery or um, or <laughs> uh, what's what's appraisal. It sounds right. very difficult in battle. Well, you wouldn't. Uh, yeah. You would get out of the way in a battle. You would hide in a corner. That's yeah. another one of those where I think it would be dependent upon the rest of the characters. Very much so. Because <laughs> yeah. it'd be like, yeah. are you cool to do all the fights and I stand over here? Okay, good. That would be a conversation to have with your gaming group before you created that character. Yeah. Be, he might be the person who like even hires the party, but is still part of a party. You know, like a diplomat that has guards or something. Sure. Someone that can get out of any social situation, but when a battle starts, they're like, oh, you guys gotta protect me and I'll get you out of the next social situation. Right? Mm. We cool. Or get you into that party that we need to get into. Something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, kind of like having a celebrity along with you. Sure. Yeah. A rogue who's a celebrity. That'd there you go. Cool. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a really well-known actor, but they're not a bard. They're not, they're not inspirational. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're very selfish and self-focused, but they're yeah. good at talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of those people, I think. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Well, let's not get too personal. <laughs> Hollywood. Let's move on to clerics. Let's okay. do clerics, yeah. So, um, what, is our, what are our stereotypical clerics? I mean, a priest, a holy man. I am a devout follower of my God. I am here to heal you. Grace and, and hail. And, uh, and give you a plus one to all of your attack rolls. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of rules. You're going to hear about a lot of them. Also, I can turn undead. Oh, yeah. That's a channel <laughs> divinity is a thing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, clerics are... Um, I don't know if they're my least favorite class, but they're just kind of... They're always relegated to be the healer, and I don't think that needs to be true. Not at all. That's my biggest problem with clerics. Right? So I've played in a gaming group where there was a cleric, and if they didn't have their healing spells left, they would skip their turn in combat. Oh my god. They would skip their turn, because they'd be like, well, there's nothing else I can do. And I'd be like, you are the second most heavily armored, the second most martial character in this party. Hit something with your mace, you will be fine. I think a really interesting um, cleric would be a fighter. Well, like one one who purely focused all of their divine powers on buffing their own ability to beat crap up in a fight. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a purely martial focused cleric, a follower of a god of battle, not someone who leads services in mm-hmm. a church, but someone who worships their god by going out onto the field of battle and smashing stuff as hard as they can. Well, that's interesting because then why wouldn't you just play a paladin? Because you're pretty much there. Because... I don't want to have that sort of restrictive uh, code of honor that a paladin has to live by mechanics-wise. Sure. A cleric has uh, their own code they can follow. um, Like, basically with paladins, most of the time, you're either good or evil god. So you've got an evil code of conduct or a good code of conduct. Clerics have a huge spectrum of uh, rules and and, um, pantheon religion stuff they can follow. Well, so this is kind of interesting because um, in the last home game, the the 5e home home game that we played, uh, I played a cleric. And I'd never played one before because they seemed horribly boring to me. And oh my gosh, you guys, another person at the play, at the we table had two also wanted to be a cleric. Which upset me. I was oh, like, well, no. what is the point of me? So <laughs> Megan almost burned our apartment down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, the other cleric did play a more stereotypical uh, cleric. And so I was like, well, what can I do? And I built a dragonborn cleric and i'm trying to remember all the aspects of her but i'm pretty sure that she she was more martial focused she followed the god of thunder Mm -hmm. and you chose to focus you chose to make her an offensive caster instead of a healer yeah because the other cleric was a standard like healy healy blessy blessy cleric and you were like i'm gonna call down lightning so i made her more a more aggressive cleric who apparently ended up wearing wings but you know that's a different story i suppose so anyway (laughs) Yeah, uh, another reason I don't really like clerics, I know we're not talking about why we do or don't like these classes, <laughs> but clerics are kind of OP in the game, actually, in 5e. Like like you said, they have the highest, or like almost second highest AC most of the time, and they're pretty good at uh, close combat. They're also good at decent at ranged combat, and they have health to spare, so like they're actually pretty OP most of the time. Um, and I like playing characters that aren't OP. Go me! Well, then how would you build a non-OP cleric to I would break build, the gruff? How would I build a non-OP cleric? Um, what about a I super would... minor god? Hmm. Like a god of something super specific. Ooh. Okay, hold on. Should no, I go take. I'm going to take your slot real quick. Go for it. What about a god of useless Brit. magical items? Okay. What? So what if your cleric <laughs> followed a god... Who was like 
Oh, come on, all things are useful. And one of the tenets of your religion was you could only purchase magic items that everybody else said were useless. And you had to try and figure out ways to make them useful. And that was a major tenet of your religion. That sounds like very specific. the PC at the table that everybody hates. <laughs> You've got those weird tokens you can throw, that, throw down that make a 20-foot oak tree grow in front of you. And you have to figure out how to make that viable in-game. Because that's what your god wants you to do. Your god wants you to think creatively and think about the poor wizard who created those. And no one wants to use them. Um, wow. Uh... Okay, that's one way. Uh, I would build a cleric who's gone a little mad about healing people, and he wants to heal through heal through hurt. So mm. he wants to heal as much blood as he spills. So he will not heal anybody until he spills the blood from, mm. of somebody else. Like that's his that's his tenant is like ah, so you're a perfect balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, that's kind of cool. One who like, but it's like everybody realizes like that's not right. Like you can heal this person who's dying and sick. He's like. No, no, I will not. Blood needs to be spilled. Blood for blood. Hmm. Um, that's how yeah. I play one. That's yeah, pretty that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Playing like a mad old dude. Yeah. Mad isn't crazy, not angry. You can be both. You can be both. Yeah. Can be both. both. yeah. Uh, what, mad, about, mad. what about you, Megan? Break hmm. the mold. Well, I mean, I kind of did with my wig wearing dragonborn. Yeah, that's true. But, that's uh, true. Uh, um, what else could you do? Well, I mean, I'm thinking of this because I've got wild cards on the brain currently, but um, you you could have the reluctant uh, cleric, yeah. the, re- the one who's like, I don't, who for whatever reason has to do the bidding of this god, but is like always trying to work around it somehow, or is... I just want to make shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Why have I been called into the service of a god of fire? Right. Or who's... who's Whenever they don't do the right thing or they kind of go against the god who has to deal with the the consequences of that. Mm. Something along those lines. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's... uh, Most people think clerics and they think like the sun god or the life god or something like that. There's a whole pantheon that they offer you up for clerics. Like, look at those and see what kind of person uh, would follow a god like that. And let that be your lead for... for, uh, you know, the kind of cleric you're going to play. You can do more yeah. than just be the party's Band-Aid dispenser. <laughs> yeah. True. All sorts of options. All right, now let's get to my favorite class, Wizard. Oh. Wizard. The best class. Oh, so you like reading the rule book then. I love reading rules. Oh my goodness. Well then, uh, so... Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalf, okay, sure. Gandalf is a pretty... A is a pretty. I think, so you think of a wizard, you think of an older guy. You think oh, of yeah. a super smart guy. Beard. Uh-huh. Bearded dude. Yeah, Pointy just hat. kind of frail, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, has... It has powerful or, magics that they can bring to or, their... No, we're talking about the stereotype. No, I am too! Oh my god! Are you going Hercules? <laughs> no, actually. Uh, the Last Unicorn. You guys have seen this, right? I know you've seen it. No? Yeah, there's there's the weird, like, he's young, though, but he's going to grow up and be that old guy. Oh, so that, that's your like, secondary whatever. stereotype. Your, your clumsy uh, apprentice wizard yeah. who things don't always go quite right for. See, and, he's See? Got and his... I didn't go Hercules. It was no Hercules this time. I don't... <laughs> is there a wizard in Hercules? Hercules? I'm going to say Callisto, but she was more in Xena. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's your... St- I mean, everybody knows it. It's the, the gray beard... Um, Gandalf. Robe-wearing Gandalf. It's a, Gan- it's a Gandalf. It's a yeah. Gandalf. Has some glasses. Get yourself a Gandalf a for Gandalf. your party. Usually snobby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
little arrogant. Yeah, loves himself a potion to brew or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Likes books. So this is your this is your favorite character class, girl. I love it. So why don't you break the mold for us? What's funny first? is like I like playing the wizard that doesn't usually break that mold. I okay. love being that weird, annoying, maybe not annoying, but like snobby kind of a wizard. But let's see, if we were to break this mold, I mean, you could obviously go the opposite way with it. But uh, what if you what if you were playing a wizard who like flunked out of wizard academy okay like his ideas were way too ahead of theirs like he was like first year like why are you guys casting fireball when you could just open a portal to the plane of flame and have that erupt on your enemies i mean it's 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 less mana to use and you could just do it every day and they're like no that's awful the god of fire they're like no guys just try it it's great or maybe he makes coins that whenever you throw them they grow into a big oak tree (laughs) that could also be a thing hey there is a wizard somewhere that makes those (laughs) and sells them Yeah. Um, I've got a great idea. Um, what about a wizard that creates largely useless magical that's items? That's what I just was saying. Oh my god. Don't steal my things, Jordan. Um, I like the idea of a, of a wizard whose um, spells are largely... The spells that they cast are largely um, self-focused. Like buffing himself, like protecting... Uh, upping his AC or like mm-hmm. upping his hit points or stuff, so that he can focus on being a items only wizard. So I'm talking sure. about someone who's got uh, like a a belt full of wands for different occasions, mm-hmm. and another bandolier of very specific alchemical potions, and uh, you know a ring of featherfall. Because who knows? You never know. Right. Um, someone who like it's a very expensive way of playing a wizard, but because. In most games, they tend to be better attuned to magical mm-hmm. items and can use them more easily. Yeah. A wizard who focuses on gadgets, yeah. essentially mm-hmm. having a tool for every situation, and then the spells that they memorize are there to help them like with their survivability so that they can pull out just the right wand yeah. for, for the occasion. There's some world or edition who does that, right? Or, or I'm sorry, RPG or world or edition, I feel like where the mm. magic is all... There is. Um, it's called Goobles and Goblins, and it was uh, created <laughs> yes. by me. And I was like, what yes. am I thinking of? That what is, a shameless that is... plug that was. <laughs> she, but it's funny because she had no idea she that lives, she was yeah. thinking of my game. Uh, uh, I'm not good with details. There's a really good game where... What? What about a wizard? And stay with me here. What about okay. a wizard that hates magic? Okay. Um, and you're like, how could I play a wizard that hates magic? He has to use magic. Well, what if this guy uh, had some sort of tragic event that you can dream up? when he was young, where magic was used to harm him or his family or something. And he's like, I hate magic. I hate it so much, I'm going to fight it. And he he tried for years to fight it. And he's like, I, it's much harder to fight magic when you don't know magic. So he goes out and learns magic to fight magic. And there's all sorts of spells in D&D that, like, defend or absorb magic mm-hmm. and counter spells and mm-hmm. stuff. So what if he was just a defensive magic wizard? So if, there's like a, if they're fighting another mage, he's just going to stand there... And just counter and cancel and absorb. So his whole purpose in life is to wreck magic users' yes. day. Yes. Yeah. But he's, he's not casting fireball. He's not using it offensively at all. Sure. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it would be another interesting angle to take. Kind of similar to yours in a way. But what about a wizard, a wizard who insists on disguising everything he does as sleight of hand? 
or an illusion. Okay. And so, like, uh, and it hides the fact that he's a wizard and insists that he like uses devices or or trickery yeah. or or um, you know just plain old fashioned well, misdirection in order to achieve the the fantastical I, things he achieves. Along those lines, was thinking of what if you had a wizard that played like a rogue. So you used, instead of using, like, tools, you used magic Mm -hmm. to pick locks or to um, disarm traps and things like that. Um, That's actually something I was thinking about with another one of them, but almost like playing a cleric as a rogue, playing, Mm -hmm. you know, playing one stereotype as a different stereotype and adapting it for that. Or what about a wizard who only uses all of the least useful spells. Like, you guys, I have a soft spot in my in my heart for, there's so many years of D&D, so many books, so many editions, so many spells and magical items that you're like, why does this even exist? Who would ever use this? And you have, you have to think there's at least one wizard in one of these worlds that's like, I can make this work. <laughs> and I want to play that guy. Well, but but I'm making fun of you, but I do feel like I, I forget which character it was that I played, but I don't think I've ever played a wizard. It was a magic user of some sort and in which I, you know, had cantrips and things like that. And I was like, well, I want these um, random ones like prestidigitation so that I can figure out how to make it useful. Mm. Um, I do, I do have that interest. But having said that, once getting into actual battle and being like, all I can do is change the color of my eyes, <laughs> then I might get a little frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But you have, as a wizard, you have many more spells than just prestidigitation. There's so many useless things you can do as a wizard. <laughs> That's kind of my point. If I'm like, I can change the color of my eyes and I can make my hand a bird hand look at that <laughs> look at that everybody but think about how awesome you would feel if you were able to win the day somehow by making your hand a bird hand well that's one battle down let's yeah. see if i can do this again tomorrow no nope. i mean it's unrepeatable that's my point <laughs> but but think of how rewarding it would be to find those situations that's what i'm saying you 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 are a wizard who lives for those rare occasions when you're like oh my god i know just the thing for this <laughs> Wow, what a crazy campaign that would be. I hope it is very long. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. so I mean I feel like those are some ways to to sort of play around and change the the core four there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's we've we've broken some molds definitely. Yeah. yeah. And maybe next time we'll talk about some different classes. Yep. So yeah. you know, the 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 secondary core four. Yeah. W- yeah. Which that is the term for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows them and, by and, that term. We won't even bother. Which, yeah, we yeah. won't even bother to spell out which ones we mean by that because yeah. everyone knows what they, we mean. They know which ones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, guys. Is it time for the, the question, question of, of the, the sewed, 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 sewed? All right. So today for the question of the sewed. Yes. Uh, we have uh, this is on the RPG Reddit. And the title of this is Tales of the Homebrew. So this guy says, hey guys, I'm building a homebrew system for some of my friends that simplifies simplifies a lot of tabletop mechanics because they are fairly new to tabletop and role-playing in general. As I'm building, I'm wondering if I'm doing okay. So I was going to post a quick thread and hear everyone's opinion. What are some good things that you've seen come out of a homebrew? And what are some bad ones that I should avoid? So right off the bat, I would say this guy is definitely on the right track because he's trying to make things easier. I would say the biggest pitfall that I have observed in homebrews is that people go specific instead of generic. 
rather than coming up with some sort of mechanic that can govern a wide array of systems, mm -hmm. they'll go, oh, I need a specific mechanic for each one of these systems, and it has to be different. Right. And they end up just falling down this rabbit hole of making everything so overly complex that the system becomes completely unwieldy, unbalanced. It's hard to fix it. It's hard to use it. Um, I, I think it's almost always better to go generic. Well, okay, so here's my question actually along those lines. So what would what is different between going, I'm going to create a new RPG and a homebrew? Where's the line? What makes those two different? Well, typically a homebrew would be taking an existing RPG right. and kind of... And adapting it, right? Uh, yeah, changing okay. it yeah. to suit your so needs. So then having said that, I can't, I guess somebody could have, but I can't imagine someone going... This system is not complicated enough. I'm going to make a homebrew to make it more complicated. <laughs> it's usually simpler, I would right? imagine. You Most then, of the time, you can go the other way, yeah. But, but but what I'm saying based upon that is if if that is generally what you're doing when you're homebrewing, then yes, you should always, pretty much always be trying to simplify. So, yes, a lot of people do, um, just by nature, homebrew rules that simplify the system. I do know from having done reading on the internet <gasps> that there are people who do homebrew by adding complication into games and they'll typically start with a game that has less crunch and add crunch to it i'm a big sure. fan of roll for shoes sure. as i believe we've talked about on here which is what? one of the simplest role-playing games there is i have found instances online where people have homebrewed and adapted it so heavily that it might as well be a medium crunch that game and feels... that's hard work sure that feels like the exception to be honest though it it is but there are like you got to think about the fact that in the world of rpg gamers there's everybody wants different things sure there there are some things that are almost universal um wants for gamers but then there's always somebody who's like no i hate things like that i prefer it the opposite way hmm. i mean as an example there are people who play Shadowrun. Huh. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, and we joke. Uh, if you like Shadowrun, that's fine. We're not here to judge. But, like, for me, games with that level of crunch are, are just, like, they get in my way. The yeah. rules get in my way so much. So, like, I feel like a lot of times if you're homebrewing something like Shadowrun, you're looking for ways to streamline the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and this guy's I looking to teach new people games. Right. So I think, well, a, yeah, again, sure. like keeping things streamlined is is the way to go. So 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 even, whether or not you're trying to simplify or make something crunchier, what, what do you think needs to be things to avoid or things to put into? Does that make sense? So it could be either way. Whether or not you're trying to simplify or make it more complicated. Sure. Is there yeah. something outside of that that you think um, you should avoid or make uh, sure you have? I guess you have to first decide maybe who you're making this for. Is it for sure. you or is it for a, a very specific group of friends that you want to play this game with? Because well, let's take this guy's example. He's he's trying to homebrew a game to teach new mm -hmm. players to RPG games right. who have like very little experience. So mm -hmm. he's wanting a beginner-friendly mm -hmm. uh, thing. So he's identified his audience. Uh, and that is, yeah, very important. I totally agree with you, Graf. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so moving off of that, so if he's teaching people D&D, you would want to simplify, I mean, it, the, the starter set does this in a nice way, but if you want to go even simpler for someone who's never touched dice or seen dice, you want to go with uh, sort of like a, like an almost like an improv scene to start with. Just don't even put dice on the table. Just be like, uh, you're, you're sitting somewhere in a tavern and someone walks up to you and says this, 
what do you do? And I was like, what can I do? And just see where it goes from there. See how much they want to play along and understand that they can do anything, but that things have consequences. You sure. can't just walk around killing everybody. You, there's consequences to your actions. And that's the biggest thing about RPGs. That's, I think, why we like them so much is that they, they bring you into a world where you can do things and uh, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes if you can maybe forego those consequences because you're powerful enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, that's how I'd start. It's just the simplest way possible to get them into role-playing at first. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, along those lines that, it, it's, yes, taking this particular example of introducing someone, you want to, because you take just take a look at one of those books and you're like, that's a game. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm probably never going to play that. That because those are the rules. For and those of you who aren't here, Megan is gesturing at a nearby D&D 5e <laughs> player's game. I am. But still, they know what I'm talking These guys know what these books look like. Um, yeah, so I think that definitely going, no, 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 no. Here, we're just going to build upon the basic system, which is, you know, improv or and or a die roll. So all you're doing is rolling this die, and I'll roll my die, and whoever wins gets the thing. I think another big pitfall to avoid in homebrewing anything, uh, especially if you're starting with an established system and trying to change it in some way, um, one thing that I see people do sometimes is they'll change things just because. They'll take Uh, a mechanic mm -hmm. that's already well balanced and already works a certain way, and they'll change it just because they feel like, well, I'm homebrewing, so I can't leave things the same, so I should change it. We don't roll D20s, we roll D21s. Right. And it's like, okay, but you've actually, just by adding, you know, one side to your um, very awkwardly shaped die, you've changed the statistics and the spread of things more than you're probably aware of. Where do you get that? (laughs) I'm sure there is a specialty (laughs) shop that will sell you a D21. We're working on it. Wow. Yeah, so that makes close. sense. <laughs> I, I do think I think I think that's the I, maybe that's the core thing is don't overthink it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's definitely when I when I've had experience with homebrews before. That was the biggest thing that I saw, and I, I totally see how that happens. It would be so easy to do to overthink it because much like you said, like well, I need to change this if it's a homebrew, it all needs to change. But I think the idea is this element is not working for me, and I want to make it better for me. Um, but that element's fine or whatever, you know, you're, you're trying to take, in my mind, you're trying to take the pieces that you like and adjusting the pieces that you don't and, or getting rid of this or adding that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good luck to you, RPG Redditor, who is home brewing. (laughs) I hope that it's going well for you and I hope your friends enjoy the work you're putting into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish he actually listened to us because we could. I'd love to see it after the right. Yeah, yeah. maybe he does. Well, actually, I mean, along those lines, if you have ever homebrewed or you've had any experience with it, give, tell us about it. We'd love to hear about it because it is kind of interesting to see. I mean, I have never created a homebrew. Jordan has created an RPG system. Uh, have you ever done a homebrew? Or I have. Like I made. That? I made an RPG based on Magic: The Gathering. Yeah. Oh, that's, cool. oh it's yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I, I was. I was really proud of. We that, should actually. post a link to that in the show notes so people can check it out. Oh yeah. I, I, will. I think people would like to see what you did with that graph. Yeah, so so I since I have, don't have that kind of experience, I'd love to hear if if anyone listening has had the experience of creating a homebrew and like how how did it work or what did you do? And yeah, what are your thoughts? But it's you can... it's super fun from from the time that I did it, and I'm sure you can say that too. But I I loved doing it, just getting feedback from my players and just building it over the course of like six months. Uh-huh. Uh, it was so much fun. I, huh. had, a, I had a blast doing That's it. That's interesting. Yeah, so if, if you have experience with homebrewing or you have a story to share about it, hit us up on Twitter at expointerspod and yeah. let us know how it went. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, guys, uh, that's the show. And until next time, let's, let's go! go. 
This podcast has been a saving throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at EXP Pointers Pod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at the respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garav is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash show. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.